0: do you take any supplements or vitamins no i don't why do you yeah i've just started taking a daily digestive supplement by biomed which contains an expert blend of friendly spore forming bacteria and the digestive nutrients turmeric and ginger to help relieve abdominal pain associated with ibs which i have not sure if i mentioned that before (laughs) i think you have (laughs) when looking for the best friendly bacteria supplement i discovered you want one that's guaranteed to reach the gut alive and spores in biomed's live culture supplement are naturally designed to survive digestion it's this key feature which allows the strain to withstand extreme environments such as high levels of acid in the stomach and to survive easily through digestion it's also vegan, certified by the Vegan Society, making it an easy, sugar-free, vegan alternative to yogurts, if you're team herbivore. So check it out for yourself at BiomedSupplements.com.
1: I think I will.
0: Yeah, you best had, as we can offer our listeners a free one-month trial of the main digestive supplement support. Just head to the website BiomedSupplements.com, select the 30-day supply of Biomed's live cultures, and enter the code POODcast in capital letters at the checkout. Head to the website now to try. Our world is dying, politicians are lying, and just when you feel like crying, sit and have a listen to people who have shit themselves. Hi I'm Claudia. I'm Evie. And we are the hosts of The Poo'dcast, a podcast where we basically tell stories about people pooing themselves. The Poo'dcast is also a podcast that will focus on and discuss the issues surrounding bowel and bladder conditions such as IBS, Crohn's, colitis, celiac disease, cystitis, urinary incontinence and plenty more. We want to break the stigma surrounding these conditions and get people talking about toilets. We have historically found these topics especially difficult to talk about whether it be an invisible illness or just what our bodies do naturally every single day so we think it's time to change that and this week our focus will be on actively autoimmune and fowler's syndrome and evie you're not with me because we're recording remotely how are
1: you no it's been very very stressful i've had to set up the weird sort of duvet womb on my own um we're in a single womb i'm (laughs) usually twins (laughs) we are and it's it's a lonely womb there's a womb for mm. two. The lonely um, womb. And, yeah, it's just all a little bit sad, to be honest. But what is great is that normally we sit next to each other, so I can't see you. Whereas now, I can see you. I can see you your face. You look so pretty. Well, on. You've got a nice shirt on. Um, it's very, very nice. Um, Thank you. Yeah, so it's all a bit sad, to be honest. But
0: um, I know. But, you know... But let's-
1: we Let's crank it. it up.
0: Yeah. And how is your bum and how's your tum?
1: I've got good news, actually. <gasps> it's not tell always me. good news, but this week it was good news. And I'll tell you why, Claudia. Sometimes I have to go to Dorset for work. Okay. Um, I won't go into the details about that, but it's for the military. It's an acting job for the military. For um, you. And I know I've been doing this for a few years now. And it's only just clicked with me this week. Actually, no, the seed was planted a couple of months when I first went. And then I realised this time, it absolutely confirmed for me, that when I go to the building for the military, (laughs) it is my magical poo temple. Because on the way down, I've spoken in the past about when I go away for trips, I seem to get quite constipated and I don't really know why and I can never go. You have said this. It's almost like the moment I get down into Dorset, my bowels know because the moment I get there, I just need to go for a poo straight away, but it's always a good experience, it's never, you know, anything too horrible or persistent, um, but I just woke up in the hotel and I was like, oh, you know, I felt a bit constipated, we drove to the job, we get there, the things about to start in five minutes and I was like I need to go for a shit like this, min- this minute and what's great <laughs> thank you Dorset and what's great about it is it's basically all men in the military um, so I always have the women's toilet to myself there's nobody else there and I just go in and I make a little poo temple for myself take the shoes off at the door go in pray spend about five minutes there and then I go back down and, and then it's throughout the day morning break and I go for a poo lunchtime poo and before I leave poo, and I'm like, I've just, I've just absolutely, you know, it's great, and it's not a bad experience, because sometimes, you know, when I get diarrhoea, it's a lot, but it's always, I won't go into too much detail, but it's always, you know, a good experience, I feel, I feel better. So yeah, I I have
0: like a vision of these toilets, if they're going quite unused, because there's not as many women, I can just imagine you walk in, and like this like mystical pink smoke kind of makes way, and then there's someone there to just hand you a bit of cheesecake and tea or something she's here
1: (laughs) and I've got to lay out the red carpet and I've got to go back in two weeks so I will let you know what happens on that front I'm I'm trying to think if I eat anything different or if I but I think also really if I'm thinking about this logically it could be because I'm always quite nervous to do the job yeah because it's kind of like an acting like role play like not kinky role play you know like um uh drama based training and I have to play lots of characters in front of people that really fucking don't want to be there so i get very very nervous and i think maybe that then gets things going but it always feels great because i feel like i can start the day empty bowels bam 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 here we go so yeah i found my poo (laughs) temple and i'm really pleased about it can I ask?
0: Do yes. you get a bit of sass from the people that you have to do the workshops with? Like, oh, what is what is the general response oh, to you as a person?
1: I I've got an example. Uh, they're always like, there's always like people with like loads of different regional accents. It's great. And there's this guy from Northern Ireland, and he really like didn't want to do it. And I was like, right, come on then, up you come. Uh, it's your turn to do the role play. So what we're going to do is I like, explained what he had to do, and he literally just looked me dead in the eye and, went, I'm not going to do that, Evie. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> And I was like, that is fair enough, <laughs> sit right down. <laughs> and sit back down, thank you so much. Be right back, see you in the poo temple. Um. So how has your bum and tum been, Claudia? Because I can't hear, I can't see, can't touch, you're not here. Tell me all about I'm it. I'm glad
0: that you're not touching my bum or my tum. But
1: I wouldn't my... rule out, I've touched them before. <laughs> it
0: has happened before. <laughs> Actually, the reason, and it's something that you have touched, because we both got quite drunk together in Marbella, um, yeah. but my, no, not quite, but my... Um, Tom has not been great because I had to go get my boobs checked, and I was really anxious about it.
1: What check? They were there. Or?
0: Yeah, to check. I lost them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh no! What what happened? You had to go and have, have it like a.
0: Yeah. So I just noticed. So. Uh, my grandmother had breast cancer, so I've always been, like, very good at checking and whatever, and I, I just really noticed that whenever somebody was hugging me, it really hurt on in my breasts, and I was like, this just... And I couldn't feel any lumps or anything, but I just wanted to just double-check. So I rang the doctors <laughs> and asked um, if I could just speak to somebody on the phone. And you know with the doctors, they're like, we'll ring you back, it could be any time. As if... as if nobody has a lot like and I was like do you have a do you have any sort of like ballpark like like no it could be any time in the day like okay thank you good because
1: I'm free so. the live long day so
0: oh so I'm and also school is stressful at the minute because so many of our teachers are off sick so I actually became the class teacher. So that was, I was so nervous about that. So, I mean, you laugh because it's funny, Sorry, no, it? you, I'm not. It, so it is cool. funny. Yeah, it is, it is. It's funny, the idea of me being in charge. <laughs> Luckily, it's with children, otherwise it wouldn't work. So I was feeling really nervous and I always feel it in my tummy anyway. And I kept wanting to run to the toilet, but I couldn't because I was the class teacher. But anyway, so I had to keep my phone on loud. And these kids do not miss a thing. Literally, like, why can I hear your phone, Miss Claudia, Miss Claudia, why can I hear your phone, what's happening, what's happening? And I said, which I stupidly shouldn't have said, I'm waiting for a call from the doctor. Oh, my God, it was like Christmas was here. When the doctor comes, can I speak to the doctor? I'll be really quiet, I want to tell the doctor, what's happened to you, what's wrong with you? And the doctor calls when there's nobody else in the room, so I can't leave the room because I've got to be with the children. So the doctor's like, what seems to be the problem then, Miss Campbell? And I was like, it's... My breasts. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying, Miss Claudia, Miss Claudia. And in my head, I was trying to think of other words for breasts, so that I wouldn't have to say it. So I was like, all I could think of was like wabs. I had like mammary nunga
2: nungas.
1: Like I was like, how do I describe this without having to say it? I feel like breasts is one of the words they probably like to pay less attention to.
0: Wow, I just didn't want to be
1: like ding ding ding.
0: Yeah, but imagine going home being like how was your day at school sweetheart oh it's fine but miss claudia kept talking about these things called breasts what like do you know what i mean while she was on the phone to a man like so luckily a member of staff came came in and i got to speak to them and i was really hoping that they were going to say oh you're fine don't worry about it but then the woman on the phone was like yeah you should come in and get them checked but i couldn't come in for four days so like my tummy has just been awful because i just felt so nervous about it and so I've just been like bloating like crazy and then nothing's happening and then I also weirdly when I get stress I get cystitis, I just don't know what it is, like it's like one of the first things to happen to me. So it just, I was just a bit, I really don't know, I don't, because my mum said she was quite prone to cystitis in her 20s and she said she's scared get it all the time from stress, more than you know, people think that you might get it from not weeing after sex. Everyone's always like, "Oh, you don't wee after sex." I'm like, yeah, that, that's not actually scientifically correct, but okay. But anyway, so I just wasn't feeling great. But then I went to the appointment, and it was it was fine. They said it could be just because I have to lean forward so much during the day when I'm working with kids, and that my nerve damage is in my armpit, um so that could have like not spread, but that could have been causing like muscle tissue so it was all fine and you know what I was really pleased about is the woman who the nurse who checked me was so nice about not making me feel like an idiot for asking to get you know you always worry that these people are going to be like well why are you here like you didn't need to come in because I've had that before with doctor's appointments and it's made me feel really stupid for asking but she was so good about it and she was so like you know it's always good to check so, yeah, it's been a bit of, a, bit of an you've anxious week. you a bit of a week. tough
1: week, but it sounds I like have. maybe things are kind of not resolved, but you're feeling a little bit better about things. And with all due respect, Claudia, I feel like you bring a different part of your body. Last week it was your clitoris. This week it's your breasts. What the fuck is it going to be next week? <laughs> I always ask you how your bums and thumbs are, and you're like, yeah, so you've asked about my ear. Now let me tell you about that. <laughs> <laughs> ah! Ah! No, I'm glad things are better I... and I genuinely do care. But it is quite funny when I ask you how your I... symptoms are and you're like, on the nipples then. Uh... <laughs> I don't think there's an inch of me that we haven't covered. There's Steady. just so many problems. <laughs> well, don't worry, next week I'm sure we'll uh, move on to the next thing.
0: <laughs> Permission to discuss
1: conditions. This week, our remarkable guest is Zoe McKenzie of Actively Autoimmune. Zoe has had a passion for exercise and movement and has constantly been adapting to how she exercises after diagnoses of Ehlers-Danlos type 3, gut dysmotility and Fowler's syndrome. Zoe created Actively Autoimmune whilst learning to live alongside her conditions and she uses exercise as a management tool daily. In Zoe's words, I know firsthand how health can fluctuate day to day, which can be frustrating and demotivating. I want actively autoimmune to change this, to inspire, to educate and to support the invisible illness community welcome Zoe
2: thank you thank you for having me what a lovely
1: introduction oh good Very beautifully read Evie. it feels a bit yeah. weird reading someone's quote back to them but like in your own I know did <laughs> I say that that sounds quite good well done
2: congrats Zoe how's your bum and tum at the moment um honestly quite rubbish really I'm feeling very sore and very nauseous today I love that question I think we should replace that question for how are you just everyone should always just ask how is your bum and arm. it's way more accurate I've been doing it in the street and it's not going down very well I will be (laughs) honest. shouting
1: at anyone strangers really sorry though to hear that it's not on its best form at the moment that's That's
2: okay at least it's sort of on brand for your podcast so that's good Yeah, yeah thank you Great. You're welcome.
0: <laughs> and do you, you usually find that you can kind of pinpoint it down to think, oh, maybe it was because I ate this or maybe it's because I had this day yesterday, or do you find that's just an, a frustrating thing to do to yourself?
2: Yeah, I feel like I try and do that to try and show that I've got some control, but it's definitely not that. Like it's like a way of kind of thinking you're in control of what's going on. Because sometimes that feels better than thinking you're just flaring randomly, and or it's just what your body's doing. So trying to be like, oh, it must be that, but then you can also get down the whole blaming your self situation which isn't so healthy either so I kind of go through phases.
1: (laughs) That's really interesting you say that actually because I think Claudia you had that recently as well being like well I've eaten tomatoes that's my fault and you kind of basically based that on absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So Zoe when we were sort of researching you, you've got um, sort of a few conditions and lots of them we hadn't actually heard of before. So we just wanted to ask you sort of what was your sort of first diagnosis um, and, and are they related to your other conditions?
2: Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's often the case when you sort of hear everything that's wrong with me. It's like, "Well, you've got so many things wrong," which I guess I do. But they are all kind of interlinked. Right. Worst word I hate is complex. I'm glad you didn't use that word. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So my first diagnosis, I guess, was when I was kind of twelve. It took a couple of years, really, but that was the Ehlers-Danlos. So Ehlers-Danlos is a connective tissue disorder. Um, There's quite a few different types, and it's also a bit like a spectrum because it's I've got type three, which is hypermobility type, but People can be hypermobile without having EDS as well. So it's kind of like a spectrum of how it affects you. So, my type affects everything in my body basically because it affects the collagen in your body or lack of collagen basically. um So, when I first had problems when I was younger, I sort of dislocated my shoulder loads. Or both, actually, ankle injuries. Didn't really think anything was super wrong, but it just never healed. Um, I then sort of deteriorated in function because I used to be super strong and sporty, dancing, swimming, but as I couldn't do that, my muscle strength just obviously vanished um, until I was in a wheelchair and couldn't walk at age 13. Then I got sent to go to Ormond Street because all the local doctors were like, oh, well, she hasn't got arthritis because that's the only thing could be. Um, she must be getting bullied, um, which I wasn't. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and anyway, I got sent to go to Ormond Street and they were like, oh, she's got EDS, makes, everything makes perfect sense. Um, and so sort of through my – I learned how to walk again um, – got into physio like every day, religiously, loads of ticker charts. I kind of got through school, college, uni, just about managing my health. Probably around college when I started to get more of the gut involvement. So because we have collagen in every part of our body, it can affect your gut too. So um, I've got gastroparesis or gut dysmotility. It's got multiple different names. It basically just means nothing wants to get through my system. It's all just very slow and sluggish. Um, and then even once it does get down to my rectum I can't physically get it out either so I'd say my body is very clingy it likes holding on to all my all my waste products because I also can't empty my bladder either so that's the bladder problem too um so I had that for a few years and then I sort of got um more unwell I moved to Australia was working way too many hours and then got diagnosed with lupus um which kind of has got strong links with EDS it's quite common to get some sort of autoimmune condition alongside EDS I think it's because our body is in fight or flight with pain and fatigue a lot so um there's research supporting that link and then sort of my bladder function also deteriorated a lot since then as did my gut function so I kind of say since 2017 I got more acutely unwell again whereas before that I kind of was managing-ish.
1: When you first got diagnosed uh, with EDS did they say to you um, because of this diagnosis your future problems you may experience x y and z or was it kind of just things as they sort of came along you had to yeah no
2: I definitely I mean it's definitely better now from like sort of people getting diagnosed now I think the support is better but when I was diagnosed many years ago because I'm so old these days but like it was really not understood not recognized at all and even at Great Ormond Street, they didn't really tell much about what could potentially go wrong or what could happen. At that time, I very much just realized it was my joints. So each time something else went wrong, I was like, oh, what else? But it's all linked to the same thing. So my gut started to go wrong. I had like bad acid reflux because I've got no, my valve's too floppy, basically. I'm basically just floppy everywhere. Nothing nothing does enough of what it should do. So, <laughs> And then my bowel functions all decreased. Um, and I think when I was younger, it was more episodic. So I'd have sort of periods of being worse I mean like uni I kind of used to think I was healthy then but I wasn't really I mean uni I missed most freshers weeks because I was having some kind of procedure or colonoscopy or all the usual student things so um it took a while to kind of realize the impacts of like full EDS and then yeah I think I've learned so much more the last few years and there's definitely more awareness about it and and also linking with other conditions like POTS and migraines and all that kind of thing as well.
1: So could you just talk to us about POTS briefly and sort of explain what that
2: is? Yeah, so POTS is Postural Orthostatic Tolerance Syndrome. Um, It's basically a condition where you can't deal with gravity. So when you are vertical, um, your blood sort of pulls down to your feet and you haven't got enough sort of pressure to push it back up again so to compensate your heart rate starts to beat really really fast and your blood pressure sort of drops as your blood pools um, and so you go kind of dizzy and feel like you're going to pass out or if you continue standing up and try and fight through it like because you're pretending to be okay you will pass out so um then it also affects even from like sitting up um, it can affect your gut function as well because obviously we need to have our blood flow normally and be in a kind of rest state to digest things so um yeah it's and then links with migraines and all sorts as well. So they all kind of overlap a lot of these conditions, but that's basically POTS.
1: So you're set up right now... <laughs>
2: are you okay? <laughs> 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 I just should we alert someone? Yeah, just... you know, if I'm honest with the um, sitting upright, I generally find I get more out of breath sitting upright than if I was talking lying down, which like I'm used to with my job, but um, it is definitely a thing. I find I'm just sitting, I'm like, oh, getting a bit out of breath because my body's having to work harder than normal to challenge against gravity. So um, it's a very, it's literally like climbing Everest or being in space. That's the way your body's responding by having pots. But just doing that every day, I'm just that amazing so
0: yeah I was I was about to say that Zoe I was about to say you're amazing but does that is that frustrating when people listen about your conditions and then they say wow what an incredible person you are is that is that something that is annoying to hear
2: personally no but I do okay I'll tell it to you then (laughs) (laughs) you're amazing I do know that Oh, thanks. Keep going. Um, I do know in the communities that people find the word like, oh, you're so inspiring, kind of a bit annoying, frustrating, because we shouldn't just be inspiring for just trying to live our lives. But at the same time, I think we also definitely don't recognise what we deal with on a daily basis. Like, I'm sure you're the same. Like, it's until you actually say out loud of all the things you're kind of coping with on a day-to-day basis you kind of like, oh wait, I I do actually deal with quite a lot. And you kind of, we're so hard on ourselves all the time. Like I'm always like, I'm not doing enough. And if I stop and think like, well, actually, what am I dealing with? I'm like, okay i'm doing all right actually like i should you know that classic self-compassion comes in so sometimes when someone says you know what you're doing amazingly helps break through that you're like oh oh wait i am you know <laughs>
1: yeah and and how has that been trying to sort of find that self-compassion because you know particularly with getting frustrated with what I, particularly when i think you can compare what you used to be able to do yeah. uh, to then sort of feeling like you're doing less
2: how how has that journey been um i definitely think since so when I had EDS, when we got first sort of told that, we were sort of told, you're in charge of your body, you've got to do your physio, it's down to you, no one can fix you, it's a lifelong condition. So a lot of the pressure was sort of put on us. And I was a young girl and always a perfectionist anyway. So that was a lot of pressure. So I took it very seriously. I just had to keep going, never rest, keep pushing on, which is what I did through uni and school. And then when I got lupus, which is autoimmune, inflammatory process like attacking you need to rest because keep pushing on actually makes you sicker so I had to kind of battle these two sides of like the EDS side of me that's like don't give up keep fighting and this side like you need to rest or you're going to make yourself really really unwell um, and so the last few years particularly has been kind of find this new balance of adjusting with things and obviously alongside that my bladder function's Well, stopped working completely. My bowels deteriorate even further. So it's been quite a transition. I definitely think I'm better. I'm definitely better at recognizing that voice in my head that's going the kind of hard, you know, work harder, you're not good enough, and recognizing it. Don't, can't get rid of it yet, but it's definitely easier to kind of hang on a minute, why is it saying that to me? Like it's completely okay to rest in bed. Or like the other day, I was talking to my nutritionist and saying, Eating for me is very difficult. If I have to go lie down for two hours after eating with a heat pack and curl in a ball, that's okay because my gut doesn't work like anyone else's. So why would I expect myself to act the same as someone who can eat no problem? It's just adjusting to your physiology, and I think like being compassionate with yourself about that is like a it's it's not an easy process, and it takes a long time. You think you're there and then you're not. So it's just like ongoing, I think. But I'm definitely better than I was when I first got lupus. I was like, oh, I can just keep going. I can go to work in fever sweats, and it's fine. <laughs> oh, my Yeah, my clients are like, Zoe, do you need to lie down? I'm like, no, no, I'm just going to go be sick, but I'll be back. It's fine. <laughs> do you know what it's remarkable so many people we've spoken
1: to have sort of said that the kind of new normal I mean obviously that's such a tedious phrase in 2020 but oh, the way the way in which people are just going yeah I was actually having diarrhea up to 30 times a day so I just sort of cracked on with it and you know it's quite remarkable sort of, the things that people have sort of accepted because they just think that they should be they should be doing more but I'm very glad to hear that you're sort of better at that self-compassion I think lots of people can relate to that whether they've got a condition or not we can't expect to do everything exactly the same as everybody else or the time um so yeah I think that's such an astute observation um you're also talking there about your um the way your gut and your bladder they don't work like everybody else's and you're not able to well, I suppose you're, you said you hold on to to waste what what do you then practically do about that how do you get around that
2: so for my gut um we did a I think it's called preptography I always say the words wrong but basically they do like a study where they put up barry and porridge up your bum basically sit you on an expo toilet with several people in the room and say try and open your bowels fun um, and I yeah it's such a nice way to spend an afternoon um, and I sat there for quite a while and then said I think I finished and I'd only got rid of three percent of that amount then it got stuck and I had to do numerous things to try and get it out classic um so so yeah so not only do I have this problem of food can't get down to my rectum because of the gastroparesis but once it's in there I'm physically unable to like use my muscles do the the right things in my sphincter to release and let go. So for the um, bowel stuff, I use colonic irrigation or rectal irrigation. Um, which isn't the kind of hippie celeb version where you put coffee up your bum. It's uh, (laughs) NHS-prescribed, one with water, so it's very safe for what I'm allowed to do. And that has been an absolute game-changer. I wish someone gave that to me several years ago. As much as it's unpleasant having to put something up your bum every day to open your bowels and pump water into it, top tip is use warm water, not cold. Um, (laughs) Good tip, very good tip you like to be able to open my bowels is just amazing because basically what I used to do is not open my bowels for sort of four weeks sometimes um play a game of how many suppositories and enemas and laxatives can you take um then end up in a and with a bowel impaction because it all just got stuck and couldn't get it out and then play the game of you know the whole hospital going has she opened her bowels yet? be um, you know, that fun game of almost passing out Zoe Bell bingo. Birth. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we got doctors. 355 <laughs> <laughs> more doctors just how many things can we put up Zoe's bum and just discuss that in the corridors and you know <laughs> god, it's <laughs> the worst work. game of buckaroo ever <laughs> it is that's exactly what I describe it as is buckaroo and then when they start calling for like surgery consult you're like oh my god no it's so, like in the toilet giving birth to I, I've never given birth but I imagine it's what it's like on hands and knees giving birth to this poo baby basically so colonic compared to that is incredible so that's how I manage that and then for my bladder um I have a suprapubic catheter that goes a little hole through my stomach um and I pee through my stomach and I, I get just my stomach my stomach <laughs> tummy and stomach combined you so back. many big words really
0: well so far so no it's no one basic is, no one is judging you <laughs> And Zoe, so how does a catheter work? Are there different types of catheters? Is there is
2: there a whole market? How, how does it work? Oh, welcome to the catheter world. So um, <laughs> the most common types, so you've got your, your intermittent catheterization, that's where you just put it in when you want to pee and take it out again. So they're quite small, almost like a bit of a tampon pack often, and you just sort of pop it in, pee through it, take it out again straight away. So they're great for not having to have something in you all the time and reducing infection. Um, But personally, I found that super painful because of the condition I have. So I have Fowler's syndrome, which basically means my sphincter grips on for dear life. and doesn't let a single drop of pee out, which is why my bladder can't empty. Um, So when you're shoving a catheter through this basic clamp six, seven times a day, you can imagine how sore it gets. And basically had no quality of life. I was up and crying in the toilet at 4 a.m. No alcohol involved, just sitting there crying, you know, trying to pass urine. And because once even when the catheter was in, it would clamp and shut, so even it wouldn't drain. So I still was in retention, constantly having constant infections, just a nightmare did that for a year don't know how um <laughs> then I had a urethral catheter so they're a catheter that goes up through urethra again um I used to call that on my penis much to my mum's um case. <laughs> <laughs> penis. Penis. so normally they're not really used for long term although some people do manage long term with them but they're generally seen as a short-term option people have them like after surgery for example that kind of thing
1: that's what I think um, of when I think of a catheter I just assume yeah that like that
2: no so that one is At the time when I had that one put in, it was a great relief because I wasn't self-catheterizing. But again, on reflection, I couldn't sit on my bum. I couldn't sit. I couldn't sit like I'm sitting now. I couldn't walk. I was so uncomfortable all the time um I was always quite lucky that I could use a valve so with the how you drain your catheter, you can either have a leg bag or a belly bag um just be free drain it so it just constantly draining you don't hold things in your bladder or you can use a valve where it's just based like a little big stopper on the end and you just open it to empty and close it again we don't want to mm-hmm. classic errors where you just pee yourself because you accidentally flick it open oh, um does that but yeah I can get to those funny stories later okay <laughs> okay <laughs> <Think of that. laughs> But um, yeah, so you that's that's pretty good because you can just shove it down your pants. It's obviously much less visible than a bag. Um, some people don't have that option. They have to have a bag. But if you're lucky, you can do a bit of both, which is kind of what I do. Um, so I had that for six months and then I went to suprapubic which is um, more of a permanent catheter where they, you have surgery, they make a tiny hole, stick a tube in your bladder um, and overall this is so much nicer because you've not got anything down there, your bits are your own bits, there's no tube there. I remember waking up from surgery and putting my hand down there, I was like oh my god there's nothing there and like it's just such a nice feeling to kind of have that part of your body back um and it's pretty good so the hardest things that the pubic guy find is changes um it's you don't really get any sort of painkillers to support you through it so someone is literally caught like pulling it out of your bladder um, and through the hole and then stubbing a new one in there some people manage better than others but it's foulless for some reason because it sets off our like urethral spasm that's really quite painful um and so it takes anywhere between a week to four weeks to settle down after a change I might get a good period in the middle which is what I'm at now and then for me when I get to another change it starts to sort of decline in function again so I get worse and then it's the next change and the whole cycle continues so every six to eight weeks is normally your common changes so it's that's the hardest part I find because it's just like continuous it's like having a horrible surgery or horrible procedure, but then you leave it knowing you've got your next date booked in already and that's just like that mental toll is quite hard um, but the middle bit, he's great. He's called Wiz, my super pubic catheter. Wiz,
1: Wiz. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like Wiz. <laughs> and it's so funny to think that the perception sometimes of sort of I don't know, living with a catheter, and we've had this with a stoma bag a, a, as well. We've spoken, you know, spoken to people that the perception is is that it's something debilitating, but actually, it's kind of what is giving you. <laughs> free... Yeah, it's enabling. Yeah. yeah, and so all of this has been sort of surrounded by your passion and your love for movement and physical activity, um, which is just so remarkable and, you know, really does make me feel like I should be doing more. Um, so so how do you then adapt? You, you sort of mentioned about how when you were a child really into, you know, dancing and swimming. How did you then start to adapt exercise for your conditions and having a catheter and things like
2: that? so really it's just been kind of i don't know i think with exercise any kind of condition your main things you're working around with is pain and fatigue and when you have those two things your your motivation to exercise is normally pretty low and that's completely normal because if you already feel like crap why would you want to go and make yourself feel more crap um personally i don't get those exercise endorphins don't know what they are but anyway (laughs) they don't even (laughs) so you have to find a way. So for me, I always talk to my clients a lot about finding a why. Like, what is your reason that you're going to put on activewear, get on your mat, get outside, whatever it's going to be. What is that reason? And for me, if I don't exercise, my function decreases. So I'll become more deconditioned and everything gets a lot worse. So I want to be able to function. I want to be able to sit up and not be out of breath too much so I can talk to my clients so I can do my job and live my life basically so that's like when I'm trying to motivate myself or find that reason to exercise that's what I do and that's a strong reason and then in terms of doing exercise I try and do things that I enjoy so I think we have enough or well, shit to deal with with having chronic illness or bladder and bowel problems so why make your life even harder by forcing yourself to exercise that you don't enjoy so finding things that you do enjoy that fit into your lifestyle is key Um, And there's also, I think people don't realise how much you can still do, like even just lying down in bed, there's so many exercises you can do. I think when we classically think of exercising with sort of pain or disability or dysfunction we see an old person sitting in a chair going can you wiggle your fingers um and there's like there's just such a gap in the market between what's classically seen as exercise of like running and squats and high intensity stuff to there's so much you can do in between that to wiggling your fingers Um, and I guess that's when I started out to mean it was kind of to help I was like well at least I'm a physio I know how to adapt exercises to suit my body and my physiology Um, so I kind of started my account to try try help others see that as well it's kind of just growing from there
1: it is fantastic and the account that you're referring to there is of course actively autoimmune so um could you just tell us a bit about what that is and sort of what what you offer as well
2: yeah so I started it when lying on a yoga mat frustrated seeing influencers talk about low-impact exercises when they're not low impact at oh, all
1: fuck themselves. <laughs> honestly god I have to unfollow all that shit I can't bear I know
2: so I set my accounts up thinking, you know, I might share some stuff, my knowledge of a physio or whatever, share a bit of my journey. But obviously it's grown massively from there, both from a personal point of view, I've got so much from it, but then also professionally, it's now my whole business. So um, now I help others with chronic illness, exercise, anything from Crohn's to MS to ME. I do private Pilates and do like just take people through Pilates that suits them. I do options of 30 minutes or 15 minutes because we can't always do a full session of Pilates. Um, and other classes don't offer that kind of ability. I also do like an exercise coaching service where I help like bespoke exercise plans, for people with specific problems and help them find a way to move their body and connect again. I also do bed Pilates, which is now a weekly class for people all the world all different conditions come together in their beds um and it's just really lovely really we just do exercise and everyone's always surprised that they come away feeling like the burn or feeling like they've really worked because again it's not just easy puts in bed you can still actually build up some strength and stamina through bed Pilates so yeah that's kind of the main things I do now as well as obviously running my Instagram account which I'm no pro at but um I just enjoy sharing (laughs)
0: And do you find that you um, you get to hear from some of your clients, like if, if they are, even if they are all across the world and what kind of journey they've been on since doing your exercises?
2: Oh, huge. Like I've generally been in tears at some of the testimonials or just like the feedback they've had of like people. I think because uh, most people I find are still still sort of grieve about what they used to be and expect to be able to exercise the same as they were sort of pre illness or pre condition and that acceptance process is super hard and to be on their journey through that and help them find a way to move that actually suits them that they enjoy and they're getting results from is just like incredible and I can't believe I can't believe that from an Instagram account that's now what I get to do sort of with people literally around the world um, and I feel incredibly annoyingly that I'm so grateful but I actually am really grateful.
0: <laughs> I guess that must be a huge part of it for so many people it is that getting to grips with how your life might not have turned out the way mm-hmm. you thought it would and that you have to kind of, you have to be able to let go of that and and you know, i think people talk about it a lot when when they've maybe lost mobility and and they're finding new life in a wheelchair but that that must be incredibly difficult to to put that kind of vision to one side and really focus on how you can make this new life as amazing as the one that you figured out for yourself but that must be quite a difficult thing for people to to go through I'm sure you see that a lot
2: definitely I think people I don't know it's I, don't, I think one accepting there is going to be a grieving process and I think people that try and pretend there isn't or pretend they've already accepted it are kind of hiding it from themselves. So I think feeling those feelings, like I had a client this week in tears, just talking about what she used to be able to do um, and then also not letting go that one day there will be things you can do again, but it's about being where you are right now and what we can do now to get you there. So what people go wrong with exercise is they try and jump back in something they used to do or what they see other people doing do way too much, injure themselves, make their pain worse, feel, have a crash of fatigue and then get put off from exercise because they're like, exercise doesn't suit me. I can't exercise because it didn't work. Instead of listening to the body, easing into it, going even slower than you think you could, like um, just building up slowly. And then who knows where you can work up towards and what you can then achieve. Um, and also, I think the other thing challenge thrown in there is that it's not like you have with chronic illness one incident well some people I guess do but like one incident, and then it's kind of up from there or a bumpy journey but generally you're on your way up with chronic illness you can be hit sideways up and down the whole way through like it's a crazy journey and you never know when next flare or next infection or next thing's going to hit so you're kind of it's hard to have one goal and go towards it when you can be thrown off course which then can lose motivation because you're like I'm never going to get there so that's why we focus more on why are you doing it now and have goals and have ideas of what you want to achieve but focus much more on your present situation and what you can what you can control now rather than worrying too much what's going to happen ahead of you um, and the most you can do is support your body for whatever's going to come
1: absolutely that's uh, you know we've, we've spoken about this kind of thing before about that frustration with your own body when you're not you're expecting to be able to do a certain thing and then you've because of fatigue or because of a flare-up you're getting you know really really pissed off with yourself just on a personal level or of your clients as well what do you do to try and alleviate some of those frustrations
2: Though my name is Atfield. I mean I'm also they're quite inactive a lot of the time. So rest is super important. I can important. get on board with
1: this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> honestly, I think coming back to that thing we were saying earlier about being hard on ourselves, I spend a lot of time both myself and others saying it's okay to rest. It's okay to rest. You don't have to feel guilty for resting. Um, and I'm not cheerleading, that everyone should be exercising all the time, 24-7. Rest days and rest periods are super important. However, if we always listen to when we want to rest, like you said, we won't do anything at all ever because fatigue is real. So find little ways to help motivate yourself to kind of get yourself on. So one of my top tips is always to, and I do for myself, is say, do five minutes, get on your mat, do five minutes, pick a couple of exercises. If after five minutes that feels plenty and you don't feel worse or you might feel worse or you don't feel any better, that's fine. Leash should some. Some is better than none. If, however, you're on your mat and then feel like, actually, now I'm here, it's not so bad. I was just building up in my head as a big thing. I can continue for a bit longer. Then you get more in bonus is all extra kind of times so that works quite well same with like saying you know I'm not going to think of doing say strength training I'll just start doing some stretches or some gentle movements and then once you start moving you might think actually I don't feel so bad now I can kind of continue and maybe I'll do a bit more maybe we'll go and get on my bike like it kind of gets you in that it's not always as bad as I think it is at the same time if you start you feel horrific and just even moving makes you feel like you're gonna throw up stop like don't push it don't force yourself to do it because then the next time it's going to put you off more because you remember being in pain or worse from that time so I always think it's good to have some kind of plan with exercise but then be completely flexible ready to completely scrap that plan and adapt to how your body is on any given day. Zoe this is all you know very impressive and very inspiring
0: but I also really want to hear your funny story. (laughs)
2: Of course, that's the yeah. important
0: stuff. <laughs> I've been in the back Where, of my head the whole conversation. Like, I mean, I, I'm this? listening to it. I'm like, this is incredible, but I can't stop thinking about what you said 10 minutes ago. and <laughs> I don't want to hear what it is.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, when I was having to think of what would be a funny story, I have so many that it's actually quite hard to pick. I mean, just from usual, like going to a friend's house and peeing on their sofa, and you're like, oh, I've peed on your sofa, and sorry. But the worst one, I think. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> what are you going to do about it? What do you want me to do? <laughs> The worst one um, was when, when I flew from Sydney back, flying back home. This was a long-haul flight. So I was with my partner. Um, he, I was on the inside. I think I had two seats myself. So I was spread out. He was on the aisle seat. And I needed to empty my catheter bag it was very, very full, like bursting full. You're meant to empty them around 75% full because the risk of actually bursting. I was like, okay, I can't wait till I wake him up. I'll have to do the whole straddle him across. I'll be like a ninja. He won't notice. So I... <laughs> I sort of got halfway across. I had one leg either side of him and going quite well. And then the lady in front obviously got up at the same time, leant into the chair, which sort of knocked me. What I didn't realize was then it knocked my catheter valve. And when it's a bag emptying, it floods out. Like it's like opening, pouring a bottle of water on you. Like it's, but you can't feel it obviously until I'd got to the aisle, realized my sock felt a bit wet, looked down, saw the empty bag. I was like, oh shit. (laughs) didn't realize that point though was that my boyfriend was then awake, not such an indecisive as I thought, and he had, he was drenched in my pee. <laughs> like, actually drenched, as was the plane. Like, the, co- the corridor, the aisle part was also drenched. So then I had to explain to the air hostess that I had um, peed myself, and she was like, What? Why is this normal looking girl saying she's just wet herself on the plane? So I had to explain, it's a catheter, like, and she, I think it was Singapore Airlines, so you can imagine the, you know conversation then <laughs> um, my boyfriend was like obviously just he couldn't even like speak he was so mad to be woken up by covered and pee the worst part was I had packed myself spare socks because I'm used to these sort of leaks I always have pair spare pants trouser socks I don't pack spare socks for him so yeah. he was left <laughs> he was left with like these he threw his socks away and had like bare feet for the rest of the flights and I had nice clean warm socks
1: absolutely incredible I think what a a rude awakening (laughs) yeah it's (laughs) literally the
2: worst lap dance ever (laughs) I know (laughs) I mean he's very supportive and very good at something he is amazing at all but there has been I mean, I, I don't want to but another time I opened in the bedroom that let's just say wouldn't oh, have been ideal. I mean, I if feel you're not,
1: like not, can all know where that's if, going. If you're not
2: into golden showers, let's just say... <laughs>
1: um so zoe people might want to get in touch with you if, particularly if you know if they've got conditions uh, and they want to adapt their exercise routine
2: um, how would they go about doing that they can find me on instagram at actively autoimmune or on my website www.activelyautoimmune.com so just remember actively autoimmune you should be able to find me there's no one else called that. <laughs> it's quite hard to say you said that very very
0: actually you're too sorry. i can't
2: um say i can't use the word like aa or it because that has got whole other connotation yeah so i just have no. to say it fully yeah. a lot
0: it was very impressive so oh, thank nice. you so much for coming on today you've just thank been you for a having thank me you. i've so laughed so much stop what you're doing let's talk about pooing
1: so, it's that time that you've all been waiting for. It is our infamous Turd segment. Well, it's not that infamous, I don't think anyone gives a shit, but here we are. Um, <laughs> so, Claudia, um, what's in the bum today? Well, let me...
0: Oh, it's got a lovely new shit smell that... Oh, lovely. Or <laughs> urine. Oh. Or urine, yeah, it could smell of urine. Where are you, where are you, where are you? Ah, yes. Our latest story, this one is called Pooey Prague. It goes a little something like this. I was in Prague on a bit of a lads holiday with some mates and we decided to try this infamous Irish pub that had been advised to us by our tour guide. We'd been drinking a little bit throughout the afternoon, but I can honestly say, hand on heart, I really was not very drunk, which is what makes the events that follow even more horrendous. We were all sat around this table sharing stories of past trips and favourite beers we'd tried abroad when the current beer I was on caused a bit of a stomach stir within me. It happened so quickly I almost couldn't believe it. I shat myself, there and then no warning, no waiting just total annihilation. So I run to the bathroom I have fuck all on me so I just take off my pants, put them in the bin and exit the toilet, going commando thinking everything's fine. My mates, who I had in fact told this shitty event to, were all trying to not keel over on the spot. They were absolutely dying. But of course, we carried on as you do. Suddenly, the landlady of said Irish pub emerges from the gents and shouts to the entire establishment, whoever did the filthy shit in their knickers and then left it in the bed needs to come clear it up feckin' nigh! I lower my head thinking, I'll just keep quiet and we will do a French exit and get the fuck out of this place. But when I look up, all of my friends with glee on their faces are all pointing Uh at me, shouting, it was him, he did the poo in the pants. (laughs) So I made the slow walk back to the gents to collect my item, all the while customers are shouting, what the fuck is wrong with him? The filthy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and I emerge with the buoy pants now wrapped in toilet roll and walk out of the pub to put them in the bin outside. My friends then do not emerge from said pub for two hours while I sit on a bench feeling utterly sorry for myself. Long live
1: God that is do you know what that's a very very interesting point of conversation is would you then uh snitch on your pooey mate i would never rat you out like that
0: no i don't think i would rat you out but it depends on how drunk i was and if i just found it so cuz i can funny. tell you right
1: now based on past experience of you being drunk i think you'd get a fucking claxon and you'd be like it was her <laughs> now i need my chips <laughs> You would get so angry. Yeah. We know you would. I actually think
0: I think I would tell on. I I don't know. It depends. It depends. You know what? I do know. It depends on the friend because I know some friends that would genuinely never speak to you again and would cry and would not be able to find it funny. And there are other friends that yes, they would be humiliated, but feck me, would we all laugh about it afterwards? So I it, it depends on the friend. whether I <laughs> it, I think I would dob you, you in. me
1: in, and then I had to sit outside with my pants for two hours. Wait. <laughs>
0: But also, I would never, that's the difference, I would never then let you sit outside. That, like, that is ridiculous. I would come with you, and we would go somewhere else and laugh about it. That is so it.
1: funny. I but, love it. But it's also so harsh, because, like, he didn't mean to. It just happened. <laughs> it's also the idea of all these, like, old men, be like, oh, the filthy bastard. Yeah, <laughs> I do think the Irish accent kind of adds something to it.
0: I'm also have to apologize for all cuz we do. I know we have some listeners in Ireland. I'm really sorry for how terrible Your, my it's very Northern was.
1: Ireland it, I think what you just did there. Yes, I I find it the Irish accent quite difficult. Do you know what? So do I cuz I start You're very good. Oh, I'm not I I can do a Northern Irish accent. I can only do extremes. I can't I couldn't just do like a light Cork accent. I'd have to go balls deep with it. <laughs> As we do with most yeah, things I mate. I I like to tits deep i also like to say sometimes i go tits deep
0: <laughs> your tits would go quite deep oh me?
1: my gosh they'd go wide as well i've got such wide breasts i noticed yeah they're not they go out quite far but more than that they go wide they're like one huge round circle like a dartboard see i don't think of your breasts like that i remember <laughs> a friend i had what that, uh, <laughs> i don't think that way if your breasts Thank you, Claudia. I like to think that you think of
0: them. Though. I do think about them. But because that's not what comes to mind. When I think of breasts like that, my, my friend at drama school, I remember she stayed around mine and we, we she stayed in my bed with me. And anytime she would roll over, I swear her boobs came three seconds later. Like, she would roll over and then you just hear this. <laughs> like, like they, they would come and join her afterwards. And, I, and she, you know, I think of her breasts as she had quite wide breasts. But I don't... I don't think of you. I mean, me and Evie get told off for um, getting our breasts
1: out when we're around our friends. But I just find it really liberating. I love getting. And we were on holiday. You know, it's not like we were just doing, you know, go around to our friend's house and taking our tops off. It was a neutral ground. We were on holiday. We were in, you know, a flat that none of us lived in. So we got our tits out. And from another room, we heard our friend shouting, Is that fucking Killip and Claudia with their tits out again? Yes, it is. And fucking what? Get a grip.
0: (laughs) Yeah, makes sense. <sighs> um, well, yes. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so
1: much for for listening and being so supportive on social and media. And hey, thank you um, to those you. giving feedbacks, <laughs> saying that you don't like it and it makes you feel uncomfortable. And uh, one of my other favourites was, um, "What the hell is this? And why is this in my suggestions? All good points. We can't answer them. I actually really thought. I
0: think I take things really personally. I really, you know, I, I take criticism quite badly. For some reason, this is just really, really funny to me. And the more people are like, why? Why are you doing this? Who? Who would do this? The more I find it really, really funny that I seem to be the person doing this. Yeah, I enjoy
1: it. I like it. Keep it coming. It makes me laugh. And thank you to everybody who's
0: downloading as well um, as as listening because that that makes a big difference and and reviews and things like that. So please do keep reviewing and sharing and subscribing. Um, It really helps us... Um, feel good about ourselves it
1: really really does and if you would like to get in contact you can find us on instagram or twitter at the underscore podcast or email us on thepoodcastofficial at gmail.com or visit us at our fantastic website which has been made by claudia campbell which is just the and also if, if you think we haven't covered anything
0: yet please do email us in if you've got a condition that you think we should be talking about or or something that you think that we haven't haven't touched on yet if we haven't touched your bum yet please please do let us know so we can touch it Mm
1: -mm. thank you so much
2: bye